Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Reactionaries podcast. This is episode 11, Omega Cop. My name is Jeff Crisco. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Gruen. Joe, how is your day going today? It's going good. Getting awesome. a late start today, but they won't know that. Shh, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. Um, so if this is your first episode, what we do is we watch, we're back to bad action movies. We started off bad, then they got good as Fast and Furious went on, and now we're back to bad. This yes. week's movie, like I said, is Omega Cop. It's a 1990 movie made by Ron Marchini and Paul Cariazzi. Turns out that it's to be the middle part of what we're calling the Marchini Cinematic Universe. Yes. Which um, we'll hear a little bit more about at the end of the episode, I guess. So if this is your first episode, please go back one episode in the feed to the pre-action podcast where you hear me absolutely nail the plot of this movie. <laughs> Just absolutely nuts to nails 100 percent nail this movie because what we do is we watch the trailer then we guess what we think is the movie's going to be about and then we watch the movie and go back one in your feed and you'll get the pre-action yeah so joe you want to talk 1990 i'm gonna keep i'm just gonna keep hammering on that filmed in 1990 takes place 1990 takes place when i didn't pick up on that 1999 yes turn of the millennium Yes. Remember, you know, they could have been jamming instead of to whatever public license Beach Boys stuff they had. They could have been jamming to Willennium. <laughs> That's true. Wait, was that out in 1990? No, in 1999, if they oh. actually predicted the future. If they traveled nine years in the future and picked up a copy. <laughs> yeah, but instead they're listening to oldies. And yes. so, Joe, would you like to get started telling me all about Omega Cop? As you pointed out. This was filmed in 1990. It was directed by Paul Kiriazzi. And the budget for this film was roughly $180,000, to which I ask, what did they do with half of this? They paid Adam West. <laughs> to be drunk on set and be filmed. Yes. Um, um, so wait a second, Joe. Paul Kiriazzi, Ron Marchini, also the masterminds that brought us last week's episode, Death Machines. Yes, arguably the power duo of action movie Hollywood uh, from 1975 to 1995. To, to, to 2020, to question mark. To now. <laughs> <laughs> Filmed in Stockton, California, and you get every little bit of that Central Valley beauty when they yes. do the long shots. Oh, my God, this is a perfect place to film a post-apocalyptic post nightmare is in Stockton, Sadly, California. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so are you ready? You ready to jump in? I don't want to, but we have to. Yeah, it's our job. Okay. Those are the, those are the rules. Those are the rules of the Reactionaries podcast. Okay. So we open on a sunset. And what, what, what does every great movie have right off the bat? Drunk Adam West doing a voiceover. Correct. Lecturing <laughs> all of us about environmental, <laughs> environmental danger. Uh, he says... The greenhouse effect was a phrase in the newspapers, and who believed the press anyway? Wait, you got to say it like him. Greenhouse effects was a I'm really trying. Who believed the press anyways? Fake news. Who believed the press anyway? So they kept cutting the rainforests and poisoning the soil and the air until there was so many holes in the ozone layer that it was like a torn up old fishnet, and everything began, and everything began to go to hell especially in the cities, which weren't exactly playgrounds anyway. 
Omega Cup. <laughs> so it really sets it really sets the scene of like you're gonna have post apocalyptic, you're gonna have some real nightmare stuff, you're gonna have yeah. Adam West drunk and phoning it in. Correct. Which, given the role the character plays in this movie, he literally phones it in to Ron Marchini through most of the movie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it matched his whole tone matched the character for sure. It was it was perfect. It was a guy who's been in charge of the post-apocalyptic landscape for like a decade and just wanted just is done with it. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to move on with his life. He is the happiest in the whole movie is when he pulls the grenade pin at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he finally finds love. Yeah. So uh, so we get uh, after the opening credits, we get a random caller that calls the command station with a hot tip about a slave auction and the operator answers the phone and says central command and the random guy says don't give me that central <laughs> command crap <laughs> seems unnecessary it's like, it's like you call best buy and you're like don't yeah don't give me the best buy okay come on just Let's leave it be the chase here all right yeah i know where there's some slave traders are batman you want slavers right <laughs> um so the caller wants a reward for his info, and Adam West offers him fresh meat. And oh, food and fresh meat, yeah. Food and fresh meat. Uh, yeah, although fresh meat has a different uh, could mean anything in this film. Really. We <laughs> don't know if there's there's light cannibalism. I'm not sure if there's actual cannibalism, but right, they they touch on it. Um, uh, so. He decides, Adam West, decides to deploy the quote-unquote goon squad, i.e. Mm -hmm. Maraschini, or Marchini and Company. <laughs> Maraschino, Maraschino Cherries. cherries. <laughs> the Maraschino and, Cherry Boys, yeah. And Ron Marchini has the coolest sweater in the history of the universe. Dude, you know a guy's a badass when no one's even commenting on that. <laughs> White sweater, Asian dragon, emblazoned across it. In like neon with like with like neon pink green like yeah. yeah and he's like you know we don't like to be called the goon squad that's our word it's right yeah <laughs> so Mershini he's uh peacocking in a sweatshirt and Adam West doesn't like forty five year old punks like Travis <laughs> yeah he really talks to him like he's like twenty one year old and we'll get into. I don't understand how old the people are in this movie later on, but he really talks to him like he's like a punk kid. When, yeah, Ron yeah. Marchini, he was the star of a movie in 1976, and this right. is 14 years later, so yeah, do the math there. He's like 24 in that movie. It's yeah. like, <laughs> um, yeah, so Adam West then deploys Travis, and he wants him to quote unquote hang the auctioneer. That's mm -hmm. his order stamp. Which is um, the, when when uh, he takes over later on, that's his third priority if they can get to it. Yeah, <laughs> is killing the auctioneers. Um, so a uh, squad member, they all they all leave the compound to get ready to go on this mission, and one of the squad members thinks they should pull down all those mannequins off the fence. Yeah, which are apparently it was an electric fence, but. Here's my take yeah. on this. The outside of the bunker looks an awful lot like an a, the back of an apartment building. <laughs> you think it might have been? <laughs> I wonder. Okay, here's here's my question. We might as well jump to it now. This seems like a really penetrable fortress. <laughs> it's a garage door. That's, 
that's yeah. their bunker door. It's a garage door. It's not fortified. It's got an electric fence along one side. Just go yeah. around. And they do in later in the film. So the idea that like three people could have died on this fence is like beyond far fetched to me. Yeah, it's like, well, we could go around or risk death. Which right. also they were like on top of the fence. So were they were they just like, <laughs> like and the next hand just like like oh I'm gonna get up there going until their heart gave out. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's one guy on the ground that's like, uh uh dude, we can um just go go around. <laughs> yeah, this is not that long of a fence. You see it from a long shot. It's maybe the fence is like twenty feet across. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so central command, oh no, 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 the squad member, actually the squad members, they all talk about Acapulco for a little bit. They're, they'd like to go and see Acapulco. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then central command, the central command phone operator, uh, phones in to Travis while he's in his Jeep and they're getting ready to go. And he's, and she says, uh, well, she's made him a mixtape. Yeah. Of oldies. Do you and like oldies, oldies she asks him, do you like oldies? And he says, sure. How old are you? Uh, old enough to be your daughter, maybe? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> give or take. And then this is where Batman is like, look, look, you're, you're 45-year-old young punk. If you don't go out there and kill these slavers, I'm going to cut off your woman ration entirely. Well, he also calls him Pussycat, which is really yeah. bizarre. <laughs> Listen, Pussycat. It's like, wait, what's going on here? <laughs> Adam West just... I don't know if any of these lines were in the script or he just recorded things and they're like, just work around it. Just work around just do it. it. We got him for one day. Yeah. <laughs> we got him for one day. Him and Dr. Latimer later on were definitely one shotters. They got one day with these guys. Yep. And you took it or you left it. And that was the way it was. Oh, um, oh one shot. Kiriazi was back at it. Right. 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 Um, yeah. So he's uh, uh, Adam West is a little pissed off that um, Ron Mershini is like, muscling in on his creepy old man turf of the uh, bunker so uh he tells him to get going and stop talking to his his dame uh by the way this is a terrible mixtape it's a knockoff of beach boys or something i don't know what they're going for but it's like very i don't know low grade beach boys music joe would you like to hear the lyrics sure i fucking would (laughs) we got our i had listened to it like four times we got our wheels and we're moving across the usa uh-huh. Everybody is grooving, so come along today. Okay. Our wheels are hot and our top is down. Gonna blow it up and shut them all down. Come on, baby, we're going to town. Dragon USA. <laughs> <laughs> Which they say that multiple times. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know if it's D R A G O N or D R A G G I N. I don't know like what's drag racing. But, uh, and then they say do a lot of run, do run, run, do run, wah wah. All that stuff. It's 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 very bad. And it's multiple minutes of them just driving. That's the opening credits. They're going through yeah. like yeah, there's like a second level of opening credits that they're doing this drive to this it's auction. Two minutes of driving. Which mm-hmm. one I thought we were done with the Fast and Furious, Joe. I did too. Unfortunately, they've crept it's into this as well. Two minutes of driving, so this base is roughly what? A quarter mile away? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're jump cuts, so the, the assumption is there's also time in between. Oh, okay. Because, you know, two minutes, that tells me that's a quarter mile, according to Fast and Furious logic. Um, right. And then this is where I wrote, 
how am I only six minutes into this movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the exact <laughs> feeling I had. I was like, oh, no, what have I signed up for here? <laughs> this is six um, minutes into the movie. That's it. <laughs> it's exhausting already at this point. So uh, the squad then arrives at the auction and Travis sends in the black squad member. Uh, only black guy in the whole crew uh, as the proverbial canary in the coal mine, right? Like he's going to go in. He's going to check it out. Um, uh, and so he said he was going to be a whisper in the wind. Yes. Yeah. Somebody makes a fart joke. After and that guy goes, you're going to be a fart in the wind. Oh, it's that simple. Yeah, I could have guessed that one. <laughs> um, Just a real knee slapper. Yeah. So one of them also says that he hopes that it's one of race operations so he can put him down for good. Uh, now, Wraith is the main bad guy, but I don't believe he's that's how he's introduced. I don't think he's been talked about to this point. No, they just know it's Wraith, I guess. That's yeah, that, that's funny. it. He just that's has it. to already know it's Wraith for whatever reason. Right. Uh, so then we get introduced to our Bobby Moynihan character, mm -hmm. and he is the auctioneer, and he is selling women in shitty, shitty 80s clothing. All of them have shitty, different shitty 80s outfits. Which I thought about, th those had to have come from a thrift store. Because they're all about five to six years old in fashion. They yeah, had to have come from a thrift store. Right, because this is 1990, and these are yeah. all early 80s outfits. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally, dude. I mean, again, $180,000 budget, and they got to dress six girls. It's not going to be... And and they got to pay Adam West. And they got to pay Adam West, exactly. And Ron Marchini. Well, actually, Ron Marchini might have... He's producing this, so maybe he it's, just goes with the it's a It's a passion project. Right. Uh, so Moynihan makes a sale and this girl is guaranteed for five years or up to 50,000 miles of, of quote unquote bed spring. Bed spring boogie. Boogie. Yes. And Joe, this is also where criminals get thrown out for not being quiet because they are criminals, <laughs> not monsters. We will have some decorum at our slave auction. Not rowdy. Just talking. <laughs> just talking. Just they. They asked him once. They asked him twice. They're they're thrown out because if I know one thing, we're about all adults here. Yes, yeah, we love following rules. Yeah. Uh, so by the way, so many questions about this uh, five year warranty, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also I don't really want the answers. So. No, that's that's one where you're just like, okay, just just I'll take your on. word for it. <laughs> and and there's there's more unusual things about this scene, like the economy of this post-apocalyptic world. The way this economy develops over the course of this movie is, fa again, I told you, I texted you, could spend five hours just dissecting the ins and outs of this place. The exchange rates of gasoline to water to <laughs> dollars to... Yeah, Marshinian economics is wacky. <laughs> it's yeah. just wacky. A soda is three bucks, but a, whole, a giant can of beans that'll feed you for a week is a dollar. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And yeah. Okay. I break them down. So anyway. We'll get uh, there. Yeah. Where are we at here? Oh, he tries to sell another girl. Yeah. This blonde girl. And the selling points are that she's young, quote, young, healthy, and alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Not dead, Joe. Again, see above. I don't want to. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't really want to know the answers. to. There's a lot of questions I don't want the answers to in this movie. Yes. Um, that being one of them. But also, I have a question. Uh, Would you rather be sold at a slave auction or have the auctioneer beg people to buy you? <laughs> tough. <laughs> That's a tough call. Uh, I did, 
Well, I guess the first, because you definitely don't. Oh, I see. Because you might not get sold in the second scenario. Um, but then you're still in Wraith's gang and he's yeah, doing terrible stuff. Yeah, but feel bad about yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is like, is, is the shame worth this, the safety, but it's not really safe because you're watching girls get gutted on chains and stuff like that. Yeah. And also the girl who gets sold is the one who gets gutted later on. So that's, uh. Also confusing. <laughs> very confusing. So, uh, Moynihan. I just call him Moynihan because I don't know his name in this movie. I don't think they even like reference it. Sean or something? Is I don't know. Sean? I, I started calling him Smee because he reminds me of the guy from uh, Peter Pan. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Captain Hooks. Actually, that's interesting because Mr. G, I, I call him Mr. G. Wraith looks a lot like Captain Hook. He does. Uh, yeah. So, so Moynihan uh, can't seem to sell... This gorgeous girl. <laughs> this because she's he's gorgeous. a terrible auctioneer. <laughs> this gorgeous girl for a fair price, uh, which is uh, more than $110. They won't go past that. So he throws in a five-gallon can of gasoline, which he says can be used to buy the following. A few hours with a prostitute, All one right. of their regular prostitutes, a month's worth of fresh water, and a few grams of Coke. And the difference in price here is ten dollars. <laughs> he yes. starts at one twenty. And he's like, and you'll still have stuff left over. Like, yes, fair. What is this economy? Like, what is? I want to know the. I want to know the coke to the gas to the water well, to the it, dollar conversion rate. Right. Yeah. If it was just gas, that means it's like two dollars a gallon. It's two dollars yeah. a gallon. That's um, true. Yeah. Which is super low. I don't think we saw that just briefly in the last couple of months. When the economy was going to shit. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty bizarre. Yeah, and then he starts yelling at them, saying, we're giving you free booze, free water. Like, this is the worst auctioneer in the world. You don't get mad at the people that you're selling things to. Right, you move on to the next thing. Um, so anyway, Travis storms the stage, because he's had enough of this nonsense. And the squad covers him. Um, Joe, hold on, yeah. stop. We missed a very important character showing up. Uh-oh. Half blackface. Yes. <laughs> no, you're right. Half blackface appears for the first time. Okay, we get shots of all of the crew members. There's two kinds of half blackface, though. There's the raccoon face guy. Yes. And then there's a guy who just goes down the middle blackface. It's electric blackface. Yeah, it's like, like an electric, but it's half of his face. It's, it's like black. that David Bowie elect thunderbolt thing on his face, but it's half blackface. Yeah, it's the only way that they can be like, well, maybe this is just like a kiss homage. No, it's not. It's half no, black. <laughs> it's half blackface. And this is the guy in the trailer where you were like, oh, there's a blackface guy. And I was like, what? Just a profile. <laughs> it was the blackface yeah. side. Yeah. And it's not. And there's a lot of people in this movie that I was like, what is going on with them? But it turns out if you look like a chimney sweep, yeah. I guess you got solar madness. It, Jeff, I, it's funny you bring up the chimney sweep because like I feel like this movie is making a lot of big statements that are applicable today. And one of them is about blackface. Like the might be the primary point that this movie is making is about blackface. It's an anti-blackface movie. Wow. Questionable. We'll see. <laughs> we'll get to it. Yes. Um, so Travis storms the stage squad covers him. It's like four against 20. And, Stupidest uh, standoff in history. Everyone's he rushes the stage. <laughs> there's like five guys all have guns pointed on Travis. Travis has a gun pointed at nobody in particular. And all the guys are just like, 
What do we do here? What do we, <laughs> we do here? For this. Yeah, I don't know. Put one. Worst security ever. Put one in his head. End of movie. Yeah. yeah. One of you. All of you fire together. One of you will get through. <laughs> it's easy. Um. So gunfire erupts, and chaos, awkward zoom shots, and prolonged death scenes ensue. And GoldenEye gun sound effects. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> the same um, exact sound effects used in GoldenEye almost a decade later. Yes. Uh, the guy that says, all right, after he uh, throws the grenade into the car. From the uh, trailer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's got a magic arm with this grenade throw. By the way, like, he I don't know how he like, got it through a window. The windows are up on this car. Yeah, he gets it into a car for maybe 40 yards. Yes. Yeah, with the windows up and nothing it, breaking. It's a magic car, Joe. Um. Uh, only Travis makes it out alive. Mm-hmm. He is saved by a solar flare. Solar flare fires up. Everyone freaks out, which is, I say solar flare. It's really just adjusting the white balance on the camera is what yes. it is. But we missed a couple things I want to go over in the fight. You kind of yada yada over them, but this okay. is very important to me. Okay. One, the first uh, cop dies by being shot in the arm multiple times. Yes. <laughs> Well, Two. no, one, I don't know if this is the same one. One of them, you can see the bullet misses him, and then blood sprays out of the arm that got missed. So, like, a, you see the bullet shot in the background of the cement wall, and then his arm on that side bursts with blood. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Second, there, they, there's hostages here. Yes. But their, their goal or their plan is to just fire wildly into the crowd and start throwing grenades at people. Right. There's more hostages than there are bad guys here. Three. Travis almost punches the woman. I missed that. <laughs> the blonde one? Yeah. She comes around the corner and, like, touches him lightly on the arm. And he turns around and cocks back like he's going to hit her. And is like, oh, never mind. <laughs> and then the cop who gets shot dead, the last cop. Uh-huh. He says something unintelligible that I had to listen to like 10 times. It turns out he was saying, I'm stomping on roaches. Yeah, something like that. But he's like, stomping on roaches. Stomping on roaches. A bunch of times. Well, Ron Marchini says it again later. Yeah. But this is when I asked myself, Joe, we're very small time. Okay. We're not big timers at all. We don't have a lot going with this. It's a hobby. It's for fun. Correct. Are Are we punching down? On the cinematic universe. It feels uncomfortable at times. Like I had moments of this movie where I was like, they tried. Like yeah, I was <laughs> they like, tried. Some it's like you watch this and you know that Ron Marchini and and uh Curiosity were like, ah, I wish that shot was better. Ah, I wish that shot was better. But they don't have the money to do it. So I'm like, right. are we are we punching down on doing the Martini cinematic universe? I quickly got over that, but I had a, sure. a moment of crisis. <laughs> sure. But it's it's very bizarre to see a movie that was made 14 years after Death Machines that looks so much worse in quality than it Death does. Machines. With such a bigger budget. I mean, even if you account for inflation, it's like $76 weren't worth half as much as $1990. Yeah, and like 14 years of experience, too, for both of these guys. Like, yeah. like you figure they would have gone further. Like, nope. they would have developed some skills here. Nope, they they did not. So, yeah, this is when I was like, are we are we punching down? Yeah. When they, this... were, when they, when they turned up the white on everything and everybody was just like, ah, shielding from the sunlight. I'm like, this is not how solar flares work, first of all. Yeah. But then I was like, I was like, 
are we are we the bad guys? Are we I, the baddies? I not. <laughs> I mean, this basically was a student film and like a not a good one, like a bad yeah. film. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. So, yes. And then everybody freaks out and hides because that's how a solar flare works. Yeah, but we get introduced to all of our, our main henchmen, which I think you've you've we've not listed, but I want to go over them again. It's Wraith, who's the main bad guy. Then mm-hmm. the henchmen are Bobby Moynihan mm-hmm. and Raccoon Face mm-hmm. and Half Black Face. OK, mm-hmm. so those are the main guys we have to remember. And then the rest are just generic henchmen uh, and turbans for some reason. Most of them have turbans. Uh, so baffling decisions, baffling. <laughs> it's a good word. Yeah. Uh, so Travis then calls Adam West for backup. and But Adam West's hands are tied uh, because they are locking down because of the solar flare. They're locking the entire bunker down. Yeah. And Travis can't come back because he, quote, may have been infected by UV rays. Oh, no. Infected. <laughs> Not burned. <laughs> it gives you solar madness, we find out. Yeah, there's some sort of pathogen being passed along through these UV rays. And Travis uh, is equally befuddled, by the way. Yeah, he doesn't get it. <laughs> He's yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> he goes, infected? What do you mean infected? And you know what Batman says? No. Control out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's no line here. Control out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, I think you're going through a tunnel. <laughs> he throws the, throws the phone across the room, rips it out of the wall. Um, so, Travis decides to save the hot blonde who has now been taken away by some of these, uh, I guess, marauders. They're not the gang anymore. I don't think they're just ran. Well, raccoon face is with them when he catches yeah, up to him. It is a gang because Moynihan and raccoon face are both there, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. So they have the hot blonde girl that they couldn't sell. And, uh, Marchini or Travis, I, uh, same thing, uh, starts, uh, gets into a Western shootout with these five men, kills all of them, and the man running away. And we made the joke, we're like, well, I guess he is a cop. And then Blondie is like, he was, he, he said, he was running away and you shot him in the back. I was like, okay, well, yeah, I guess they, he is a cop. Yeah. <laughs> when he, he says something like, stomp it. Oh, he's, that's when he says, stomp it out, out roaches. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Moynihan and half blackface escape like pussies. And the hot blonde calls out to Travis. Oh, he calls out Travis for shooting the man in the back, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also says, every time I'm near you, everyone gets killed. Travis says, lady, to me, you're just excess baggage. First of all, every time he's near you, he's saving you from rapists slavers and killers yeah that is why everybody near you dies is because those people want ill of you and he is saving you from them correct yeah you, you don't <laughs> seem to understand your situation here lady <laughs> it's like you go visit the doctor in the hospital and you're like every time i see you we're in the hospital what's up with that <laughs> people are coughing every yeah, time people i are see dying you. people are dying <laughs> Yeah, that's what this place is. Um, so anyway, I said no honeymoon phase for these two. They're jumping straight to five years of a loveless marriage phase. Yeah. They're right into bickering. Yeah. So Travis what tries out. How am I doing? What's that <laughs> supposed to mean, Travis? <laughs> She's like, do you know where you're going? He's like, oh, yeah. 
This again. <laughs> this again. Why don't you tell me about the guy I shot in the back, okay? I was saving you. Why don't you bring that up for the 80 billionth time? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Travis tries out his oldies pickup line that he picked up from the uh, phone I operator. Straight lifted this from the from the phone operator lady. Yeah, the writers are super proud of themselves, and they should not be. They should be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> no. Um, Travis calls Adam West again. Adam West has his shirt unbuttoned, and he is touching his chest. Very delicately. Trying to make the scene here. <laughs> um, he says there's been another solar flare, and people have been burned and uh, are going nuts. And Travis wants to bring the blonde girl in. And Adam West wants him to get checked for sunburn. Yeah. <laughs> these, two, these two are just talking past each other at this point. Yeah, they're having two different conversations. <laughs> it's like they filmed the Ron Martini part, and then they did the Adam West part, and he said something completely different. They changed like, the lines. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll just go with that. But do you know, I realized who Adam West reminds me of. Uh -huh. Did you watch the first round of this year's NFL draft live? No. Oh, so the commissioner, Roger Goodell, he starts up all prim and proper and he's got his, you know, all tucked in and everything ready to go. And by the end, he's like slouching in this like Barca lounger. He had this giant thing of like Skittles or M&Ms that was basically empty. He's bleary eyed, uh -huh. clearly drunk. That's what Adam <laughs> yeah. West does in this movie. <laughs> like he's like freaking out that he thinks there's not going to be a season. Like he's just yeah. that thought away. Yeah, so he so he starts off. Adam West starts off pretty pretty put together, and by this scene he's starting to fall apart, and then things just go off the rails with Batman. Off the rails, man. He falls off the wagon big time in this movie. Yeah. Uh, so Travis then goes to a convenience store, a little little store. Yeah, uh, he goes to Seven Eleven, post apocalyptic Seven Eleven. Yeah, which is he meets a kindly store owner. Um, who turns out not to be so kindly as this thing goes on. I have, I have some questions. He's selectively uh, kind to yes. people who aren't his daughter. Right. Um, so the store owner adjusts the prices on the spot, which is par for the course in the Marchini economy. And uh, then a bad guy. Well, okay, wait. Do you, he, he, he adjusts the prices because this old lady comes up and wants to buy a bottle of, of, like, of orange soda. Looked like piss to me, especially when he held it up in the air. Um, and he and she can't pay enough. She can only pay like half price. And he says, yeah, well, this looks pretty old. I'll give it to you for half price. And she's like, can I take this can of beans, too? He's like, yeah. one. <laughs> sure, man. I'm getting shot soon. I don't care. I hate my daughter. <laughs> I'm almost done here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't care if my daughter gets anything, <laughs> anything after I'm gone. Uh, so. This bad guy comes up after this old lady, and he wants guns, but the store owner doesn't deal in guns anymore. The bad guy calls BS on this and threatens the store owner with a pipe. And uh, that works out well for him, right? No, he gets thrown out, but I wish oh, okay. I put down this dialogue. I didn't. It's. I think it doesn't play as well, just the lines. The lines, there's nothing weird about the lines that are going back and forth between the store owner and this this guy and even Marshini and this bad guy, but they're yeah. delivered with such monotone candor that like this guy was literally picked up off of like, I know there's no Craigslist in 1990, but he's a Craigslist actor. Like he just, there's nothing. He doesn't know how to 
how to adjust his volume in his voice, like put anything into any of the. See, I thought he was being kind of like a subdued, like tweaker type guy. Maybe this was a an side effect of Solar Madness, Joe. Well, but you would think like well later with Hat Guy, like that guy knows how to like change his ranges up a oh, little bit. Oh, you mean Christian Bale? Christian methed out Christian Bale. Yeah, that dude is so, that is Christian Bale. Um, but this guy just like delivers his lines like. Hey, why don't you give me the guns? Yeah, I don't believe you. You stay out of it. Like, it's like, all right. <laughs> um, is this where we get big mouth for having such a pea brain? Or does he say that to his daughter? I wrote that down and I honestly don't know if the store owner says it to this guy or to his daughter. Well, no, it's Marchini saying it to him. Oh, okay. To that guy. Yeah. This, this just highlights the relationship that this guy has with his daughter, though. But store owner and his daughter, I mean, there's something going on there. Uh, so the store owner... This is where it really comes out. The store owner wants Travis to make a delivery into the mountains, and he wants him to take his daughter into the and, mountains and, and stay find, there. Stay there. <laughs> find a good mountain family, as he puts it, stay there. Uh, the owner says, quote, it could be a good deal for both of you. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, Joe, she's 22. She's not a child. It's like. He's talking about her like one. She's like she's either not there or she's too young to understand what's going on. Right. But she's a, she's an adult. Is she 22? Does she say she's, she's 22? 22? Well, the the actress is 22, so I'm assuming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then this is the same actress though that plays like a 20 something when she's like 35 in a later movie. So. Is it Melissa Joan Hart? No, it's not. It's uh, can't remember her name. We'll get to Jennifer her later. Jennifer Justin. Jennifer Justin. That's right. Yeah. So. Uh, the daughter then says, Dad, he's obviously not interested. And anyway, I think he's a poor choice. Uh, this daughter's also a weirdo. She's like participating in her own slavery here. This is a very, uh, this, this family doesn't know how to have private conversations. Yeah, everything fell apart when the mom left, whenever that happened. <laughs> whenever the mom left the picture, shit started going downhill in this family. Real fast, real fast. Real fast. So the bad guy then returns with his whole gang. And he gets called dumb by Travis and then shoots the owner in the chest. That'll show him. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll learn him. And this is where um, I learned, too. If you look at the, the shelving in the store, it's cardboard boxes turned on their side and then shelves just precariously placed on top of them. I was waiting for oh, somebody to go really? through it, but it's like they set it up to have somebody go through it, but they never paid that off. Well, also, the, the whole gang is standing in front of just a cardboard wall. Yeah, that wall. Somehow, it, it's, it's just cardboard, and it doesn't get destroyed by uh, Travis's Omega gun, which is what I call this gun that he uses. Yes, Joe, let's uh, talk about the Omega gun real quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this gun, it's probably, what would you say, a large can of tomatoes around, about this big around, you'd say? Yeah, around a shotgun barrel, basically. Yeah, a little bit. Well, it's got at least four barrels. And you just hold it up. You hold it up, and you pull the trigger, and it just shoots just a perfect spray of four bullets into four guys that are standing next to each other. Yeah, which, how could it predict that? (laughs) How could it predict where all of these guys are are standing and and that it would hit all four of them? At once, which... If you're going to do this, just have him be a baller with a shotgun. Just totally. Totally. But they have this Omega gun that just search and destroy bullets. Right. Right. Yeah. 
With like a weird <laughs> silencer, like you said on the front. Like why the silencer? It's, yeah, it's it's so dumb. Super weird. But he kills these four guys with one oh, shot. Oh, I called it Omega Gun too. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> they don't name it, but there it is. Uh, so he takes out the rest with some sweet karate, okay? And then Travis and the daughter escape. Now this chase scene, it's pretty long, but probably not even top three. <laughs> Longest chase scene in this movie. Longest no. chase scenes in this movie. <clears throat> but we do learn. Do you know where the bad guys go in this to get away, help get away from Ron Marchini? No. Under a semi. That's right. They they scoot they, under the semi. They learn nothing from the Fast and the Furious movies, Joe. Or they learned everything from the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, now it's a parked semi, though. <laughs> it's a little different. Well, they still go under the semi. <laughs> a little and different. A little different level of danger there, I think. Yes. <laughs> and this is also where Ron Martini knees a guy in the face, and the guy stumbles backwards about 20 to 25 feet. Oh, yeah. He, he knees him in the face. He does the, whoa, 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 whoa. Goes back yeah. about 20 feet. Right. Um. So he takes out some guys, and uh, he escapes with the blonde and the daughter. Okay? The store owner daughter. So now his harem is up to two. Yes. And one thing forgot to mention uh-huh. He's on his second outfit of being since he's been I didn't outside. Of, that. He oh, was yes. in his cop uniform and now he's in a red shirt with a jack with a white jacket. Now now it's his third outfit. If you count his sweet if sweater. You count the dragon sweatshirt. <laughs> yes. And then they yes, so and pretty so soon now, we're gonna have a fourth outfit, just so you know, Joe. A fourth outfit. I'm excited. Uh he arrives at the at an abandoned baseball field. Which mm-hmm. is shockingly landscaped. <laughs> I put, who is mowing this? <laughs> this thing is in pristine condition. There's no water. They talk uh-huh. all about how there's no water That's anywhere, right. but this and thing no is fresh green. water. There's green. There's green the, everywhere. The stands are clean. There's uh-huh. no garbage there. No one's been camping out in this post-apocalyptic. This is a perfectly pristine, almost like they went to UOP. <laughs> like, they just used part of the baseball field. Something, right? Almost something like that, huh? Something and like just, that. Yeah, I wrote, who is mowing this lawn? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um, uh, so Travis then brings the girls into his pad, which is a men's locker room. With a skeleton in it. And yeah, he introduces the girls to his roommates, with, which is a skeleton with a gun. I was like, is this supposed to be a real skeleton? And then I was like, the skeleton has a gun. This is somebody died, rotted, and this is their skeletal remains. So post-apocalyptic future, the far future, 1999, Joe. We mm-hmm. will make sure our baseball diamonds are pristine, but we will not expose of the de- dispose of the dead bodies. Yes, yeah. Whoever was taking care of the baseball field never bothered to check the locker room. Nope. Um, so Travis offers the girls a new life at the compound and says they will always need women at this compound. And the store owner's daughter says, as what? Whores? I said, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah. No one sells me for sex unless they're my dad. <laughs> yeah. Nobody pimps me out except for my father. Um, so Travis, this is, this is where we get no place is safe, babe. <laughs> I missed that. The, oh, the that two women are arguing with each other. Yeah. It's like, this, this place isn't safe. She's like, no place is safe, babe. Store owner hits her lines hard, like really with aggression. But that's how she got all the roles. Jennifer Jostin. Yeah. She made it. She actually showed up in real stuff later. 
So then Travis wants to settle in for the night and, and, uh, and promises. Make a baseball team. <laughs> well, he wants to make a baseball team if they find six more people. But then they're like, hey, do we have a plan here, Travis? Are you just going to fucking put a hold us up here? Yeah, you're going to go to sleep? This is your plan? This is your big plan? You're yeah. going to go to sleep? Well, and then he's like, all right, ladies, ladies, we'll go shop. I understand you're angry. We'll go shopping tomorrow. <laughs> Fine, we'll go to the mall. Go to Brooks Brothers. We'll get some Auntie Anne's pretzels, maybe an Orange Julius or two. Will that calm you down? We'll right. check out he's, Sears. As he's going to sleep, he's like, nailed it. <laughs> he nailed it, Travis. <laughs> he, he lays back with his hands behind his head, just like, you are so killing this. You got these ladies under your thumb. Uh, okay, so then the daughter says, well, I'm sleeping right here. And if anybody comes near me, they'll wish they hadn't. Is it okay. okay, crazy? Travis turned you down for free, remember? Yeah. By the way, what is it with Paul K and writing in these delusional girls in all of his scripts? Like is That's what I was going to say. These women are, every Paul Kiriazi woman is insane. Is insane. Yes. Yeah. And delusional. <laughs> like completely delusional. Dude's got some stuff he's got to work out. Oh, uh, I want to know more about him. So anyway, the next morning. Uh, we cut to, and Travis has called Adam West again. And changed his clothes again. Just, he's but got not an, Adam West. Because <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam West probably filmed his scenes in about three and a half hours. You think? <laughs> and like two hours that was him getting, like, being woken up from being drunk. <laughs> yeah. When I say he filmed it in four hours, I mean he filmed three scenes, went back to his trailer for an hour and a half, got drunk, came yeah. back, and filmed the rest of his scenes. Right. And this is where you really can tell, because in this scene, he looks drunk or high as fuck. Like whatever you whatever you want to say, it could be either one, really. Um, his eyes are bugged out. He's slouched, slouched back in his chair, like resting his head. Um, he's on something. He's on Maybe, something for sure. He, he's got the greenhouse effect psychosis. Uh, so Travis wants in. Uh, Adam West declines again. Cites the greenhouse effect and more cases of UV-induced psychoses. That's not how any of this works, Joe. (laughs) You get a sunburn. Your brain doesn't turn off. Uh, Travis swears they're clean, uh, but Adam West is seriously tripping balls right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, look, man, you, the coyote, they can come. The beluga whale, they got to stay outside. We don't have a tank for them, dude. We don't have enough room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so then we cut to Wraith. Yeah, Wraith's compound. Uh, And Wraith and Moynihan and Raccoon Face and Half Black Face, they're all returning back to the compound. And the woman they just sold is hanging on a chain. (laughs) Yes, which when they sold her, by the way, we missed this. He said, go talk to the accounting. Oh, so yes. Go talk yeah, to the account- accounting. You're right. a criminal gang. Do you have accounts payable? Right. <laughs> and I wrote, and I put, what's the accounting on this? You sell a woman and then she's still your slave, I guess. The only reason the mafia ever used to use or like any gangs have ever used an accountant was for their front business. And to cook apparently the this front business is slave auctioning. <laughs> And we find out later there's only government in D.C. and New York. Right. And 
I don't think they have to worry about the IRS, Joe. Yeah, no one's coming after him. No, no uh, one cares. It's fine. Um, so yeah, Wraith then says, this woman, in reference to the girl on the chain, this woman has refused to cooperate with our organization. And she, by the way, wait, wait, we didn't mention this. Or we did in the last episode. This is Mr. G from Death yes. Machine. We forgot to mention that. Yes. Wraith is Mr. G from Death Machines, 14 years retired from from acting. Making his triumphant return back into acting. And boy, he he sucks, too. Like, like how did his <laughs> acting get this much worse in 14 years? He just I was gonna say, he, give it. he came back to mumble his way through some lines and collect a paycheck. That's, that's right. Uh, so he says this woman has refused to cooperate with our organization and she run away twice. She is going to be used as an example as to what it means to be disobedient. Then Moynihan pops in and says, that's right, disobedient. Disobedient. disobedient, disobedient. And then Wraith says, I want to show everyone who's controlling this city. You're either with us or you're dead. Moynihan says, you're dead, you're dead. Okay. Who is he showing this to, by the way? This is all his, his cronies. Everybody's already on board and he's teaching a lesson to nobody in particular. Well, I, I, he has other women, so I, maybe this is a message to them. I guess. I guess. Uh, but yeah, so... But Ray- what... Hold on. This is what I want to know. What has changed between when she got sold and when she ended up back here? Because when she got sold, she was prime merchandise. Now she's a traitor. She needs to be gutted. A lesson needs to be made of her. All that happened was the slave auction got broken up. And then... Yada, yeah. yada yada something happened to make her... i got a hard time believing that the guy who bought her managed to make it out of there with her yeah so they just scooped her back up i guess and then now she's a traitor because she didn't i don't know <laughs> Joe, <laughs> she... this is this is my guess this was filmed later and she was the only actress that did the slave auction that returned their phone call <laughs> uh-huh yep uh-huh they called up fake Roseanne Barr. She wasn't having it. They call up Black Girl with a scrunchie. She's not down. She wasn't having any of it. Yeah. So I'm guessing that she was the only one who returned their phone call later. Good point. Very good point. Uh, or it could just be Paul Karazi's girlfriend at the time. <laughs> He's like, got to get her in two scenes. Probably that. So, Or if he Wraith, wasn't her, or if she wasn't his girlfriend, he definitely convinced her that she was during the course of this movie. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Wraith, want, uh, Wraith wants Travis dead, yeah? And his gang seems less than enthusiastic. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they could care less. It's like he turned off, like they were watching the game and he's like, all right, guys, come on, we got to go to the torture room. And they're like... It's the fourth quarter. <laughs> right, right, right. They let out that groan like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, we did this yesterday. Yeah, we get it. Travis's blood. We get it. Yeah, yeah. So then Wraith says, nobody, but nobody screws around with my organization. Is that clear? Moynihan says, nobody, nobody. Moynihan equals Beavis. I was okay? going to say, really hitting some Beavis right here. It's yeah, and it's hardcore Beavis here. And it's here's the thing. We've seen him talk at length in the in the auction scene. Uh-huh. He's played completely differently here. It's like the character just like the actor just did a oh nope, I figured it out. Did a ton of coke right before Correct. this. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this doesn't pop out in any other scene. This like weird beavis energy, but he's like uh-huh. 
on it right now. Um, so, by the way, over under on Moynihan's IMDb page, uh, three three and a half. I can't check because I still don't know this character's name. <laughs> I'm going to go under and I'm going to find him right now. IMDb. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the over, but slightly. Let's see. He has... Um, 121 credits. Yes. How? <laughs> 121 acting credits. He was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you're doing Bobby Moynihan. <laughs> there you go. There's the bit. Joe caught on to the bit. There we go. All right. I I, I made it. So anyway, uh, Wraith then removes the girls, uh, or removes the girls' top button. To make her easier to gut, I guess. <laughs> Aggressively. That's how you know that he means business. Yeah. Uh, Moynihan approaches her and licks her armpit, then guts her, uh, then fills the glass with her blood. And Wraith says, next time, I want this glass to be filled with Travis's blood. Wraith yeah. takes a swig, gives it to Moynihan. Moynihan takes a swig and starts the Travis's blood chant. Travis's blood. He- Travis's, Travis's blood. Travis's blood. Travis's blood. Travis's blood. <laughs> Joe, nope. I, I have a result. Six IMDb credits. Nailed it. I nailed it. I nailed the over under because that was like a perfect range there. Including. Yeah. Karate Cop. He comes back. How did he escape? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> anyway, um, we get 11 Travis's blood chants. In this thing. Travis's blood. Travis's blood. Just keep talking. I'm just going to can't. And we get, and we get a weasel blood. laugh Travis's from Moynihan. <laughs> uh, so, Travis. Why, why did he drink her blood? Why did any of them drink her blood? He's, Mr. G's the only one who did it. No, but so does Moynihan. Oh, that's right. He passes it to Moynihan. So he's like the second in command, but this guy's like an incompetent. Like, I don't know. He has raccoon face. He has half black face. These guys can fight, kind of. Which, by the way, his that character is just called Half Face. Yes, I know. <laughs> I refuse to acknowledge his his uh, movie given name. Um. So then Travis, we flash back to him, and he has to pull over, uh, because he thinks someone has his hat. Uh. First question: When slash where did he lose this hat? At some point in the near past. Next question. Okay. The store daughter is, uh, oh, she's turning into a real pain in the ass, no? <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> yes. Point, she's kind of awful. Um, so Travis sneaks around. Or Travis. Wait. Travis sneaks. Are you ready for two and a half minutes of Travis sneaking around? Because. Uh, is this two and a half minutes of him sneaking, really? Yeah. Oh, it's two minutes of him sneaking, two and a half minutes of him fighting these guys. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yes, I am. Why not? We're watching Omega Cop. Uh, so Travis sneaks around, eventually walks right up to the hat man. So I- I'm curious why he ever snuck around in the first place. Well, his sneaking is like he stood behind a three-inch diameter pipe. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the middle of a field. That It was against the wall, and just kind of slightly obscuring him, and just slowly walking behind them as these guys walked around. That was the chase scene. Yeah. So he's doing a shitty job of sneaking, but also his final result here is to just walk up and be like, hey, hey, you, you got (laughs) my hat. Hey, Tarzan. (laughs) 
Hey, hey, hey Tarzan. Tarzan. Yeah, this guy looks. <laughs> this guy's got muscles on him. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, again, unnecessarily an unnecessarily long pursuit. Um, and then we get the most overacted character in the whole movie. Yes. The guy who I called Christian Bale. We get Hatman. Um, uh, and Hatman, he scoffs a bit. He says, "Your hat? Yeah, yeah. Tell me." How can it be your hat when it's on my head? <laughs> Got him. Travis then says, that's a policeman's hat and you're no policeman. And Hatman scoffs again. He says, well, maybe I was cuz. <laughs> slaps his friend. <laughs> oh, and his, what's his comeback, Joe? Well, but then there's the man in the cheetah hat. Oh yeah, cheetah print hat uh, that he that is part of. He says, "That's right. Maybe we're all policemen." And then Travis says, "That this is my favorite line of the movie here. That's either my hat or one just like it." <laughs> like, <laughs> Questions are the possibilities, Joe. <laughs> Question, Jeff. I have been missing. Let me set the stage here. I've been missing my Chris Paul Hornets jersey for like the last five years. Uh huh. Am I allowed now in this universe <laughs> to just approach anyone wearing a Chris Paul Hornets jersey uh, by Marchini and just take it, beat his ass and take it by yes. Marchini logic? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, because it's either his or one just like it or one and, just like it. <laughs> yes. And Joe, would you like to know how these these characters are credited? Yes. So Christian Bale. Yeah, he is leader of hat gang. <laughs> his buddy is hat gang bodyguard okay <laughs> and everybody else is just hat gang i think they all have hats on i i, I actually have to go back i know two of them do because they're in my notes there's the guy that stole travis's hat maybe just like it and there's cheetah print hat guy Oh, man. Uh, but it would be great to do a spinoff with this gang. And, like, they're obsessed with stealing hats. Like, that's their whole thing. <laughs> they just roam a post-apocalyptic world just stealing hats from people <laughs> off of people's heads. Switching hats. They, they find one they like more. They take the hat off. They put it on the, the guy. And then they take his hat and put it on their head. <laughs> um, yes. So Hatman recognizes Travis. And he calls him a one-man DEA. And asks him if he's ever been high before. Uh, and offers to get him high and make him squeal like a pig. Paul K is the, Paul Kiriazzi is the Carl Mencia of screenwriting. He is stealing lines and scenes from America's most famous films. Like films everyone's seen. Yes, like this is obviously Star Wars. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh boy. Um, so, Joe, Travis, I think I think we might be punching down, but at this point, I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Just knock back a cold one. Let's let's get through this. Uh, so Travis has no qualms with nut kicks, throat jabs, breaking necks. These are all like moves. Dirty. But, by the way, totally illegal in karate. <laughs> yes. Also. He is a cop, and these are the rules of engagement that he has for somebody who stole his hat or or 
He's wearing one just, one just like it. And I would like to remind you, he abandoned three men dressed exactly like him. Yeah. So the odds of it, the, the odds of it actually not being his hat are higher than the odds of it being his hat. Correct. <laughs> totally correct. There's three dead bodies that have the same hat as him. Back yeah, there's house. four floating out in the world. Three of them are just up for grabs. Right. And so either this guy rummaged through his stuff or just pulled a hat off of his de- off of a dead body. Yeah, which is more likely considering like we don't really know when he lost his hat here. <laughs> the punishment for either is death. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so um, he beats up this gang, kills a few of them, gets his hat back. Gets his hat back. Joe, does he casually break up a um, a rape right after that? Well, right With- after this, he has, first he has to come across this rape. So <laughs> he comes across a vagrant raping a drug woman and he saves her. But. Jeff, and at first I had to go back and watch it. I'm like 95% sure that, yes, it was a rape, but it never happens on screen. So there's a lot of questions floating in my head. Like, like, what if this is just somebody like putting down a woman in his car? that's like really ill. Yeah. Travis I mean, he just does... comes in and kicks his ass and steals her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He could just be gently just like just putting her down like oh i found this woman she's not feeling well let me put her in the shade and then just gets worked over by john travis destroy he's like hey wait a minute <laughs> i think you got the wrong idea here whoa buddy and how, what does he get what does he diagnose her with uh he believes that she was a plaything for some scabs well he says i she has a fever and some cuts yes that's right <laughs> that's how he diagnoses her fever and cuts and then joe just a regular building. Oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. We're not there yet. We're, We're not, not at the there hospital yet. yet. Oh, my God. So, so Travis brings this girl back to the Jeep. Oh, says yeah. He thinks that she was a plaything for some scabs. And he decides to take her to the hospital. By the way, this scene has some terrible dubbing. Noticeably dubbed. Don't know why. I have no idea why this scene's dubbed. Oh, one take Travis. Uh, and then the tra- yeah. Travis then takes her. To what appears to be Stockton High's nursing office, where Dr. Latimer is practicing medicine. Yeah. So we're in this bombed out post-apocalyptic world, which is clearly just like the, probably down by the docks in Stockton, because they got Correct. the port there. Because yeah. there's one, there's one, I skip past it, there's Sprigia Brothers on one of the buildings. And I looked it up. It's just a winemaking co- like okay. place. Okay. Yeah, so they're just, like, in the port, in the docks, in the stockyard, and they're like, all right, let's just go to Stockton. And it just looks like they just, like, drive to just a regular town. Yes, well, this one has, like, trees surrounding it. (laughs) Yeah, I just wrote, they just, like, I I wanted to know, were they just in, like, series before? They just, like, went from, like, series to Stockton, or, like, from Modesto to Stockton, like... Yeah, like that, well, that'd be great if it was like it's not post-apocalyptic. This is just what that city is like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we get introduced to maybe my favorite character in the entire movie. It's Dr. Latimer. <laughs> just hanging out, just sitting in his office behind a desk, waiting for somebody to come in. Yeah. Dr. Latimer asks Travis. He's happy to see him. He asks him about the rest of the squad. Travis says, eh, they're all gone. 
And then Latimer does not seem too broken up about it. He's like, he's like all right, let's just look at this girl. He's like, <laughs> win some, lose some. Well, then he just goes right to the girl. He's like, all right, what do we got here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Dr. Latimer examines her and notices she has cuts and a fever, yes. as you said, which is standard rape protocol. <laughs> well, she's warm and a little cut up. Uh, I think she'll be okay. She'll be fine. She's probably making it up. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh, um, man. So Latimer then says that the gangs and the solar flares, he goes on this diatribe about like the state of the world today. The gangs and the solar flares have taken a lot of good people. His whole staff is dead. Uh, Latimer stays alive by sleeping in his room with drugs uh, that he <laughs> leaves wide open <laughs> during the day <laughs> that they literally just walked into. <laughs> Yeah, and like he doesn't know they're there until they're there. Yes, he's like, oh, okay. Oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> um, so Latimer recalls seeing solar flare, a solar flare through the window, but he's all right because he was in the center of the room at the time. And <laughs> the physics check out with store owner's daughter. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, uh huh. Makes all checks out. <laughs> She's doing the math. Meanwhile, we'll get into this. What happens to this doctor? Ron Marchini, John Travis, is just standing in the middle of a field or of a dirt area when this happens. And yes. just kind of go just kind of covers his eyes with the sun. And he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. He doesn't get solar madness. All of them have been fine. All the gang members are fine. Yes. Except for some of them already have solar madness. Because we find out when you get solar madness, you get smudged. Uh we'll we'll go into that. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> So Latimer then says that the gangs just look for food, gas, and women now. Travis says, I can remember when my father always thought that the army would stop the gangs. Latimer says, well, the military was all over the world, but not here. All they can protect now is Washington and New York. I guess life is somewhat normal there now. Uh, not getting involved in foreign wars, protecting the environment, it was all there in this 1990 film that nobody saw. Yeah, he was trying to warn us. This is why Ron Martini didn't take a paycheck. He just needed to get the message out there. He just needed to get it out there. He was the Al Gore of his time. He really was. He says, if you don't listen, if we keep chopping down rainforests and letting the ozone die, what will happen is you will get solar flares that will drive people crazy. Uh-huh. Please listen to me and take me seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Death Machines? <laughs> um, no, I'm not Fancy Sleeves. I wish I was. Not Frank. I don't you know, know the why. Guy who, you know the guy who goes, kia, kia, ha, That's me. Yep, that's Ron me. Martini. Joe um, so, we, uh, we have our best editing yet. And we have a shot. Uh, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Not the editing yet. Uh, Travis first has to leave to chase a kid stealing shit from his car. Mm -hmm. okay, he notices him out the window. And he runs down there. And then we get the best editing yet. We get a shot of the blonde girl looking concerned, okay? And then we get a shot of the store owner's daughter making, like, an empathy face, like... <laughs> and then we get a shot of the blonde girl looking at the gun in her hand, like, how the hell did this get here? <laughs> 
See, Joe, I missed all this because once he started chasing that child, I hit skip forward, skip forward, skip forward, skip forward, skip forward until he caught the child. I was like, I am not sitting through another chase scene like this. Yep. And how long did you have to skip forward, Jeff? Uh, two and a half minutes. Yeah, not an over-exaggeration, guys. <laughs> Literally two and a half minutes of him chasing this child. Running around a building, essentially, and up a yes. park structure. I did see that Chris was uh, written on the side of the parking structure, which I guess... Is the child Chris? Joe, who is Chris? I need to know who Chris is. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I think that Paul Kirazi is one of those really thorough directors where everything Uh-oh. in the scene means something. His mise en, mise en place or his mise en scene is sure. on point. I he's think like, he's that detailed. He's like Kubrickian. We need yeah, like uh we need like a uh, room was that one thirty seven or what a three twenty seven? Oh, uh, with the the old lady in the uh, in where the they shining. break down everything about The Shining. It, yes. it, well, it's, a, it's a movie for people who don't know. There's this movie out there, oh. like one room one thirty seven. It's all about breaking down The Shining and all of the things you miss in the background, like all of the like little mm-hmm. hints and like good. They go off on the, these crazy conspiracies. Anyway, great documentary. We need one for this. For uh, Paul Kirazi, we'll call it uh, Solar Madness. Solar Madness. So uh, Travis finally catches up to this boy, and the boy is sitting on a curb, and he pulls out a butcher knife, and Travis approaches him, and then the boy snaps his fingers and summons Wraith's gang. Mm-hmm. Joe, uh, do any of these guys get kicked in the nuts? Well, Travis tries his best <laughs> to distribute nut shots as well as he can before he gets captured. And this is when I went, is John Travis. What's the first move we see the white death machine do? It's a nut shot. It's a nut shot. Is John Travis just an older white death machine? Interesting. Like white death machine learned to talk. Like after he planned his trip to what, where did he go? <laughs> Someplace uh, with the Kansas, other. Kansas. I don't know. That's when he starts this like, troop of cops and mercenaries yeah he learns language that's when i'm like is this a sequel to death machines joe is the marchini cinematic universe coming together it it very well could be um so we cut back to the hospital and the girls are concerned that travis isn't back yet and they start arguing about what to do dr latimer is all of us right now. He has a headache. <laughs> he draws this is a the gun best from... scene in the whole movie. He draws so, a gun. You got you to gotta set the scene. So in the foreground is the three women that uh, John Travis has collected. And, yes. and his office is set up so that you can see his desk in the background kind of through a doorway. Through the doorway. Yeah. And so he's sitting at his desk, like Joe said, how we all are at this point yeah. in the movie. Head in our hands, looking confused and bewildered, frustrated. <laughs> These girls are having the most banal conversation. It's like, well, he's going to come back. He's not coming back. What do you think? No, he'll come back. We just got to believe. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Well, maybe we should just. <laughs> and as this is going on, we see Dr. Latimer pull a gun, examine it, like look confused, like no, really disoriented. He looked, he looked longingly at that gun. Yeah. That was like <laughs> just. A few seconds of pain, and I never have to deal with this ever again. This man right. dealt with marauders. He's defended his – for years, he said. He's defended yes. <laughs> his practice. And one afternoon of these women complaining, he's just like, he's going to eat a bullet. Like, that's his plan. Right. He's going to kill these women. 
Yeah, or yeah, or he's gonna do that. I mean, it's um, it's it's probably the best part of the whole movie. He draws a gun from his desk, and then he approaches the doorway, and he closes the door <laughs> very slowly. But first, he says, "Um, sorry, ladies, not feeling too well." Yeah, I was I fully expected to hear that door close and just. <laughs> that's i fully expect i was like oh my god he is really just gonna off himself from like what he's like this is the future that i've hung on to this is the future that i've been living for this is what i've been waiting for <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great scene maybe the best in the movie um so then moynihan uh we flash to him he's back at the hideout and he informs wraith that they've erupted or no that they've captured travis uh but couldn't capture the two young women that were with him. And Wraith is not happy about that news. And he chokes Moynihan for accomplishing the task that he set out to do. <laughs> Correct. It's like, you know how, like, in video games, it'll be, like, your primary objectives. And then if you want to get, like, bonus points, you get your secondary objectives. Sure. His primary was getting John Travis. Getting yes. the women was, like, that's how you get the achievements. But, yeah. nope, he gets his achievement is not getting choked out, apparently. Yeah, so then Travis gets chained up. Moynihan uses him as a punching bag. He just starts yeah. going at it. And Wraith says that he will just, release... Yep. I just thought about something. Why does he even tell Wraith about the women? Why isn't he like, I got John Travis. The women were nowhere to be found. Yeah, because he was like, <laughs> oh, I've got some good news. There were also two women with him. And he's like, oh, yeah, where are they? And he's like, well, I couldn't get them. Yeah, <laughs> Don't tell him about the women. You're going to get choked. Yeah, that's like buying your girl an engagement ring and being like, there was this other one that was much bigger. Yeah, it was much. I totally could have afforded it. You would have loved it. It was perfect. It was exactly what you describe every time you talk about an engagement ring. Anyways, here's this one, I guess. Will you marry me? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Wraith is pissed about that. Uh, But anyway, uh, he interrogates Travis. And he says that he will release Travis if he hands over the women. Ray's priorities are all fucked up here. <laughs> he killed a woman and drank her blood to prove a point that he wanted the next blood to be Travis's. These women pose no threat to his operation. Okay. Travis is the last man alive that can stop him. It's insane, Joe. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, yeah crazy so uh the girls are tired of waiting they haven't heard back from dr latimer for a while (laughs) so they decide to head back to the ballpark um if they come across uh this is what the blonde one says if they come across any scavengers they'll just do what travis taught them to do and shoot them kick them in the nuts kick them in the nuts um so dr latimer bursts in Right as they're talking about this, and he is slowly becoming blackface. Okay, it's on his hands. He's got little smudges on his cheek, like slowly becoming full blackface. And here's what Latimer says. He says, look, look, look what's happening to me. The solar flares infected my body and it's it's spreading so fast. Why? Why? Uh, Unintelligible. (laughs) The blood type. I don't know, but. I'm slowly losing control. I I don't want to become like one of them. Go, get out, get out. Uh, and the girls run off and he says, please, 
Don't let me become one of them, please. And he wrestles with the gun while pointing it at his face. Question. Has anyone tried this yet to get out of being canceled? <laughs> well, I it's mean, like it was super effective in 1990. <laughs> just like I put all this blackface on and now I'm going to kill myself. This I, is where, okay, this is where we learn everybody that's smudged. That yeah. looks like a chimney sweep. I guess that's a side effect of solar madness. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's that, that. I mean, that's the case that's being built here is like, this is, you know, perfect way to get out of it. I got hit by a solar flare. You don't understand. Like, we all got hit by solar flares in 1990. Did, did, did Justin Trudeau try that? <laughs> he should. <laughs> um, yes. So the girls then head back to the baseball field. Uh, then Travis uh, takes out a red beanie guard back back to the hideout. Travis takes out the red beanie guard that's guarding him. Super oh, easily. He- yeah, he just kicks him. That's it. Yeah, and then he just, like, undo does the ropes on his hands <laughs> and the chains. And um, he's out. And he's out. Now we're back to the locker room. The girls are still arguing about Travis and what to do. And we find out that the blonde girl's name is Lena. Mm-hmm. Okay. Travis returns to Dr. Latimer's office, and he is shocked to find Latimer in full blackface. <laughs> He's like, Dr. Latimer, you can't let anybody see you like this. You'll get canceled. You don't understand. <laughs> this is not this is not like when you grew up. This is not yeah. okay anymore. It's the, um, it, it's 1999 now. You can't do this. In, oh, you can still do this in 1999? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. False alarm. Uh, no, Travis says Latimer. My God. <laughs> Latimer says, I tried killing myself, but I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Travis then says... I thought you said the solar flare didn't hit you. Latimer said it got me on the hand. I thought I'd be all right, but it passed right through my whole body. I took a drug to kill myself, but that didn't help either. It makes him a death machine. He can't die. Right. Travis says, where are the girls? Latimer (laughs) said, I don't know. I don't know. I chased them away. The pain. It's so excruciating. You got to help me end it all. Travis then says, no. Don't ask me to do that. I've already lost three friends. Uh, Latimer then says, please, Travis, you've got to. You've got to end it for me. (laughs) Do it. Do it, Travis. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And Travis says, I can't. Latimer says, I'm going to count to three. Travis says, no. Latimer says, please, one. Travis says, I can't. Latimer says, two. Then Travis shoots and kills Latimer and remembers to take his hat before he leaves. (laughs) let this be a lesson to you this is what happens when you do blackface yes <laughs> this is a psa it's a blackface psa you can't like, escape it no he got caught doing blackface and he did the only thing possible was murdered he freaked a lot of people out and then got and himself was, murdered and then was killed um, but yes i also noted that he took his hat and left the gun Yes, he left the gun. No more gun, but he needs his hat. And I put down, you either die a doctor or live long enough to see yourself get canceled. You either you you either die an ally or live long enough to see yourself get canceled. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so Travis then returns to the baseball field and the gang has followed him there. 
uh, and we hear audio of Tra- this is nighttime. We hear audio of Travis's memory of either playing or spectating or listening on the radio <laughs> to a Something baseball to game do with baseball. being played. Some real field of dreams, weird things. Yeah. Back in the before four times. <laughs> yeah, back in the before, before, before times. And then um, he has memories. Yes. Of the better times. Of that sweet drive down to the slave auction. <laughs> Listening to knockoff Beach Boys. <laughs> the first 10 minutes of this movie when life was simpler. And also in there is Adam West lecturing him via the comp. <laughs> And all of his friends dying. His whole squad getting shot up. These are all fun memories. Simpler times. So it's easier times before the blackface. Before mm-hmm. the blackface. Pre-cancellation. Yes. Um, so he turns on his old oldies mixtape. And then Lena brings him some water. We get a nice little, little scene here. Travis says, I can remember when there was a lot of water. Everybody had it. Lena Mm -hmm. says, you know, I heard there's still some unpolluted lakes up in the mountains there in Montana. Travis says, yeah, I heard that, too. Blah, 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 blah. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) But Montana is 2,000 miles away. Correct. Montana is 2,000 miles away. Keep that in mind for later, guys. (laughs) Joe, have you ever, like, measured a map of the United States? Uh, new. The only place there's almost nowhere in the United States that Montana is 2,000 miles away. What about Florida? The very tippy it's tip the, of Florida. It's the tippy tip of Florida. That's it in the contiguous United States. Maybe they're in Florida. But there Joe, were dots. Joe, do you know what is 2,000 miles from the center of Montana? No. Acapulco. <laughs> this is a deep dive. <laughs> This guy might be Kubrick. You might be right. <laughs> this is Kubrickian, dude. And then we take all that knowledge and detail and we throw it out the window. Sure because do. swimming pools. Yes. You, ah, you're too young Travis, for remember swimming pools. Travis says, remember swimming pools? Nah, you're too young, huh? Lena says, you mean you swim? Travis says, I did when I was 10 years old a long time ago. I don't even know if I remember how anymore. Lena says, boy, wouldn't it be great? Imagine, I'll be neck deep in fresh water. Then Travis says, yeah, I remember a swimming pool we had back home. Must have had a diving board about 30 feet high. And I always wanted to dive off it. But I was always scared. Blah, 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 blah. She kisses him. Good (laughs) night. Joe, this movie takes place nine years in the future from the present, where there is plenty of water everywhere. This uh-huh. woman is an adult. Yeah. She's conservatively 23, which means yes. that she was 14. When, when this all went down. When this all started. She knows what a swimming pool is. She's been in one. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Even if she's never been in one, did they pave all of them over or something? Like, there's still these giant cavern, cavernous holes. <laughs> And he's talking, he's like, I remember swimming in the before times. Dude, you're like 45 years old. Yeah, you, were 45. A fully, <laughs> you were a fully grown adult when all this started. Right. And this also goes back to Adam West just blaming Travis for every all the bad things that went on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. So, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so she he gets a kiss goodnight, though. So there's something developing here with him and Lena. And then Travis leaves the baseball field to go to a compound. And he brings the rape victim, but he leaves the other two girls behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gang then decides this is a good time to pounce and uh, chases the girls through the stadium. Now, this chase lasts about two minutes, but it's also split into two parts. <laughs> this movie wastes so much time. It's only an hour and a half long. It's only an hour and a half long movie. And yeah, so I put this in my notes. Um, I don't know. Somewhere in there I said, like, there's really like seven to eight minutes of chasing. Just people running. Yeah. In this movie. And it's only an hour and a half long. Like that's you got to keep that in mind. Yeah, it's it's a, like an appreciable portion of this movie is just people chasing after other people. Yes. Yeah. And and two minutes of the Fast and Furious montage at the beginning. Yes. So um, then the girls. Well, actually, there's there's also a, like few minutes at the end of this movie of stuff that's going on, like at the very end of the credits. <sighs> But anyway, um, the girls hide in the men's bathroom, which is super progressive for 1990, folks. Uh, yeah. Quick rundown of all the social issues touched so far. We got global warming. We got foreign intervention. We've got blackface. And we've got gender-restricted bathrooms. This Paul K guy. <laughs> he's ahead of the curve. And Joe, the curve. they're very lucky that Raccoon Face and um, Smee, or Bobby Moynihan, are so uh -huh. regressive because they just run right past. They're like, they can't even be in the men's room. They're not allowed in there. Yeah. Why would they? <laughs> they why know would they go in, there. go in there? I, w I wish there was, because they run right past it, but I wish that Raccoon Face would start to go in there and Bobby Moynihan would stop him and be like, nah, -uh, and point at the thing and be like, men's room. They can't be in there. Oh, you're right. Yeah. There's not even yeah. a couch in there. <laughs> they don't even hide either. They just stand in the doorway because you see yes. the reverse shot of them standing in the doorway while Smee, Bobby Moynihan, whatever you want to call them, and Raccoon Face run just past, run past. Directly past. And then they decide to leave that place, which the, why would you? The perfect hiding spot. You can just stand there and, and nobody finds you, but they leave because they're dumb. Yes. And then they get recaptured. Uh, so then Travis arrives at the compound. Okay. And he sees that scavengers have stormed the compound. This is Adam West's compound. What happened to that electric fence, Jeff? <laughs> well, they saw that it was only 20 feet long and went around it. They, did, they made the smart decision, chose a, a different path. Uh, then Travis says, looks like one hell of a family reunion. Uh, Travis then calls Adam West. He wants to bring in the rape victim for treatment. Uh, but Adam West says it's impossible. Their life support systems are breaking down. And the security men left when the food supply ran out. Travis says, hey, Prescott. That's Adam West's name, by uh -huh. the way. Hey, Prescott, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And Prescott says, yeah. Travis says, the scavengers found an acetylene torch. And Prescott said, you said you had some good news. Travis said, that was the good news. Prescott says, okay, what's the bad news? Travis Prescott's says, like, I'm really drunk right now. I need you to cut to the chase. <laughs> I just need you to be straight with me here. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't even remember what we're talking about. Do you want to get some nachos? <laughs> Dude, this is not cool. Just talk to me normal. <laughs> Do you want to go to Freebirds, man? Just leave. <laughs> go to Freebirds. 
<laughs> so hungry. Uh, so then Travis says they found a match. And Prescott says, well, do something about it. And Travis shoots at them and diverts them away from the compound. Jeff, why? At first, I was like, why didn't he shoot the acetylene tank? But then I realized, oh, yeah, this only has a $180,000 budget. Yeah. Here's my question. Why is he still taking orders from Prescott? Prescott has shown zero intent of ever helping him. Yes. It's. I want to know if Travis and Prescott or Florence and Frank have the worst have the worst relationship. Um, from Death well, Machines, well, Florence and Frank from Death Machines. Yes, from Death Machines. Um, I mean, they're different types of relationships. Clearly, <laughs> they're both abusive. Yes. They're both like, well, if I do this, then they'll love me. Then yeah. they'll accept me. I would say there's a higher level of respect, but slightly, um, for Travis and Adam West. <laughs> Travis and Prescott. I think they have a slightly more respective, respectful uh, relationship than the guy who took his girlfriend to a titty bar on their first date. <laughs> I still think about that. Is it a nice bar? Smash cut. <laughs> Um, so Wraith's hideout, uh, is where we find ourselves next. And Moynihan, we find out is a total creep and he just wants to lick Lena's face and her legs. So weird. And Moynihan says, did I ever tell you how much I love the smell of fear? And he wants to give her a tongue bath. Uh, so what does she do? She's learned a little trick from Travis. Kicks him in the nuts. She needs him right in the balls. For, like, the third time in the movie, this guy's been needing the balls. Um, Wraith then arrives. He says he'll let Lena live. He'll let Lena live if they tell him, if she tells him where Travis is. Seriously, dude, just pick a priority. <laughs> it's not It's not hard. Pick one of them you want and go after that one. <laughs> Don't keep switching them back and forth. He's got, he's like, all right, Travis, I I need Travis. All right, Travis, I'll let you go if you tell me where the women are. And then he gets the women, he's like, all right, I'll let you go if you tell me where Travis, <laughs> where Travis is. is. Look, I learned this strategy in Marchini Economics. Eventually you end up with both of them. I don't know how long it takes. <laughs> you start with a paperclip and then you end up with Rod Marchini and the two women. And all the women you want. Yes. Um, Yeah. <laughs> so it works because the store daughter spills the beans about Travis going to, quote-unquote, some kind of underground bunker. And Moynihan, Moynihan somehow knows exactly where she's talking about. From that wanna... descriptive. From that super descriptive. Yep. An underground bunker. He's like, I know where he's at. Let's go there full force. Why don't we check there first if it's clearly on my mind? Yes, I was like, if they knew about this bunker and it was this easy to take out the people at the bunker... Why haven't they already done this? Like, before yeah. Travis ever took out half their gang. Well, we found out that, like, for unknown reason, the bunker has gone to hell. Because, yeah. like, food's gone, security's gone, life they support's bad. At the doors. Yeah, so for some unknown reason, things have gone to hell in this bunker. So maybe it was, I mean, it did have 20 feet of electric fence. So it was pretty well fortified. That's right, yeah. Um, but we also get the Barry Travis chant that ensues directly after that. Barry Travis. Barry Travis. So Travis arrives back at the baseball stadium, and he chases some bad guys around and then flees. That's mm -hmm. the end of that. 
Uh, Wraith and the gang storm the compound. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we cut back to Travis, and Travis has now arrived at Wraith's place. And he tells the rape victim to stay in the Jeep uh, while he... And also watch his hat. Yes. He takes the gun and leaves the hat. Um, so he then goes and rescues the other girls pretty easily and tells them to go to the Jeep. Joe, are there any nut punches involved? Uh, yes. Quite a few oh. nut punches. The only move he knows. Yes. Uh, well, you don't look, you don't make it to the top of the karate fighter charts, the all time karate fighter charts without learning some nut punches along the way. You got to break a few eggs. As they say, <laughs> break a few sacks. <laughs> um, so Travis must now fight Raccoon Face and Half Black Face, who are like the bebop and rock steady of this. <laughs> Raccoon Face has an unfortunate hole in his shirt, which is right where his nipple is. I don't know if you noticed that. Yep. Uh, and then Raccoon Face and Half Black Face discard their weapons for an old-fashioned fisticuffs and do you know what you know what they said so I, I thought this or john travis said i thought this was going to be a street fight <laughs> <laughs> and it worked <laughs> um so raccoon face goes first uh well half black face tries to go first and raccoon face says i got this yeah uh but he doesn't got this because he gets beaten with a series of punches flips and a nut kick yes sir and then Travis twists his head completely around. <laughs> I noticed that too. He starts turning it to the right and then it cuts to another angle and he's turning it to the left, which only <laughs> means he turned his head completely around. 100, 360, he spins his head. Um, half Blackface goes next. Uh, and he seems easier to fight than Raccoon Face. He's definitely not as big. Uh, but Travis is thrown off by his half-cancelable, half-completely-acceptable appearance. Yes, but he eventually cancels him. He eventually cancels him. He decides to strangle him while looking away to avoid facing him and Hollywood's complicated history of intentional and unintentional racism. Boom. Doesn't want to face it. Joe, uh, does he scream anything for the second time in the movie? Does he scream, Wraith, it's not over yet? He sure does. But first we get a shot of half Blackface's lifeless body, where his white face is turned up, <laughs> indicating that Hollywood will try to do better, be better. Thank you, Ron Marchini, a true ally. Yes. With your half Blackface in a movie. And as you said, Travis, for the third time, yells, Wraith, it's not over yet. Yes. And then uh, he's and then I, we get what I, I the, the climactic scene. I checked the timer. We've got 10 minutes to go. <laughs> Joe, this is like, this is when they get to Ice Planet Hoth in Fate of the Furious. Yeah. This is like when they get the vault in whichever one of those, Fast Five. This, this is, like is like Jesse gets shot. This is like when Black Death Machine and the Asian Dragon Lady have sex. Have this sex is the climactic over. scene. <laughs> so... Wraith and the gang have entered the compound very easily. They open the front door, basically. They open the front door. <laughs> Travis arrives. 
By the way, they didn't take that fucking acetylene torch that's just lying out there. No, I told they you. They, don't they want opened it. the front door. That's they all they did. They, and from that point on, they assume they'll all be open along the way. There's yeah. nothing to worry about. Um, tra- they think they're really just entering an abandoned <laughs> compound at this point. Uh, so Travis arrives, and he contacts Prescott. Prescott tells Travis if he really wants to take out Wraith, he needs to blow the bunker and also free him of this movie. <laughs> yes. Please, Travis, I don't want to say any more lines. He's like, he's like, dude, do it. I'll come back in like 10 years on the show Family Guy. It'll totally revitalize my career. But It'll I need great. to get out of this first. Yeah, this was a very bad idea. I know that now. Yes. I understand. <laughs> I've made a mistake. Um, I saw the blackface. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> He's like, did you see? There's like two half blackface guys. I cannot be in this movie. I can't be associated. Uh, so Travis agrees, and he arms Lena. Uh, Lena's the blonde. And Travis says, if anyone gets near me, just aim dead center and about three inches high. Right. Right through the legs. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Hit him in the shin. No, literally through oh, the legs. Between the legs. <laughs> three inches up off the ground in the center. I got it. Maybe he'll skim an ankle. Maybe. Um, so Travis is a regular Annie Oakley, and Lena's not too bad herself, uh, as they take out everyone in this compound. Uh, so the store daughter goes to cover Travis with a shotgun, and Travis starts setting explosives uh, all over the place and then warns Wraith on the loudspeaker. Um, that he's coming for him uh, or he's going to send him to hell is what he says. And then Wraith is carrying over some Mr. G logic. He's going on a mission that he doesn't have to go on. <laughs> he has. So you saw he, he had a small army. He yes, had a, a, a platoon. hundred, hundred yeah. guys. Um, but he's got to go do this himself. He's not, he's, he's going to Mr. G it um, Brixton it. He's going to do this himself. Always has ended well, Mr. Yeah. G. <laughs> Last this, time when he came in the airplane. Mr. G didn't get blown up. Brixton didn't get deactivated. Everything works out fine. Everything works out fine for these ostentatious bad guys. Uh, so Prescott has been waiting a long time for the right time to propose to the phone operator with a live grenade and a suicide pack. But maybe there's never a perfect moment for that sort of thing. <laughs> Joe, I laughed. I laughed at you want to get married and the ring was a grenade pin. It was the ring from a grenade. I laughed. I made Jeff, it clear. I'm a simple man. I laughed very hard at that. Jeff, she said yes. Yes. Oh hey, Joe, guess what they did that 50% of marriages don't do? Stay together for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Damn straight. Model marriage here. They say their vows. He puts the grenade ring on her finger. Uh, and then Travis takes out Moynihan. First, we, we jump to Travis taking out Moynihan, and he places an explosive device on his chest. And Moynihan looks at this thing and starts screaming at it while he's holding it. Instead of, you know, throwing it. it. <laughs> or, or Either leaving. he could move or he could move the device or both. But but screaming at small it. small explosives. They are easily yeah. tossable. It's the size of maybe uh, your iPhone. 
Yeah, your iPhone. That's a good one. Yeah, it's the size of an iPhone, maybe about as thick as two decks of cards. And he's just screaming at it instead of throwing it yeah, or just throw it off the building <laughs> or dropping it and running away. That's either, true. I mean, either option, a hybrid of the two. That's what Travis is doing. Yes. <laughs> Travis is dropping it and running. Yes, he should learn from Travis. Yes. So we get a long, intense run as everything explodes. Uh, with Travis evading the explosions and also carrying his hat. Thank God. I was worried that his hat wasn't going to make it through this movie. Yeah, well, it needs to come back in Karate Cop. Uh, Is it in Karate Cop? (laughs) So he jumps, and there is a hard cut to him diving into a lake. Uh, With, With another change in clothing, and the women have not changed their clothes once. He's changed yes. his clothes now five times? Yes. They are in a in post-apocalyptic same... world, he has five outfits. Yes, they still have just the one. Yes. So he tells the girls to jump in, water's clean, and they all jump in fully clothed. How much do you want to bet Paul K. asked them to go completely nude, and they refused? <laughs> Isn't that what oh, you thought? A million dollars. I would bet a million dollars that that's what happened. But yeah, they cut to, they're in Montana. 2000 yes 2000 miles away from i guess south florida where they were question how did they get the gas (laughs) it was a throw-in they just took that five gallon that got him there second question uh can the solar flares not reach the mountains no they can't that's the thing that's what i was so confused about was by that So that's the movie's over, Joe. Yeah, well, it is and it isn't. They all start splashing each other. Mm-hmm. We get this horseshit oldies song called Summer's Summertime. <laughs> Which, by the way, you'll be hearing at the end of this podcast. <laughs> you'll hear it in probably about five to ten minutes. Don't worry. You'll be hearing that song. Don't worry, guys. It's coming. Uh, we get the city of Stockton that gets a major shout out in the closing credits. Basically, every city department for Stockton gets a shout out. Local businesses, along with some sack businesses, and even Consumnus River College. Oh, word? community college here. Yep, they get a shout out. My uh, mom did probably... some adult learning classes there. <laughs> All right. I, I did a class or two there when I was going to AR. There uh, you go. So uh, that's probably the baseball field, I imagine, that got used. Oh, that's a good call. Um, and the locker room. But wait, Jeff. Is it over? No. There's more. But wait. I put in my note. But wait, there's more. <laughs> For no reason. Also available from Digiview Entertainment. We've got a series of trailers uh, for Digiview movies. The first one is called SFX Retaliator. And we get a quick scene of a man who gets shot in the chest. Then we have Desert Warrior, uh, where we have men in gas masks who rescue a girl in a cage. Then we have Phantom Raiders, where a man rips off his ski mask angrily. Then we have Karate Cop, also starring one one Ron Marchini. And we see Ron Marchini and a girl escaping masked men with clubs. Uh, we have a movie called Get Christy Love, which is either a man dancing with a violently with a woman, okay, or attempting to assault her. And there's really no there's no in between on this. There's it's one no or the in other. between. It's one or the other here. Um, 
We have the movie Ground Rules, where a man on a dirt bike approaches a shirtless man. We have Moonlight Sword and Jade Lion, where Asian women and men sword fight each other. Uh, we have a movie called Parole Violators, where a man is thrown onto the hood of a car and appears dead. Uh, we have a movie That'll called... violate your parole. Parole. I'll teach you to violate parole. <laughs> um, Shattered Dreams is one of the movies where two men in a car chase uh, are in a car chase and the black car rams the van. We have Death Journey, a black man in an unbuttoned shirt spies on another man. Oh, we no. have a movie Double Cross. This one has the most stuff happening in a short period of time. There's a shirtless man holding on to a wire held by another man. The wire snaps. The man falls backwards and is hanging on the edge of a rocky canyon. And a woman looks up from the bottom of the canyon, very concerned. Uh, we have a movie called Firehouse, where a man in an apron talks to two other men. And then they watch a separate man walk downstairs. Uh, we have a movie called Ninja Warriors. <laughs> oh, my God, Joe, it just keeps going. Ninja Warriors has Ron Marchini again, and he's fighting a ninja, wielding a katana while wearing a red sweatshirt. And then we have the final movie, 36 Crazy Fists, where Asian men fight and an old man talks some trash from the sidelines. Jeff, that's the end of our movie. Joe, do you want to hear the real end of the movie? The post credit scene. Are you ready for my post credit scene? Oh, okay. <laughs> I am, yes. So. We go back where this is takes place after they're at the watering hole. Mm -hmm. Ron 1999. Marchini, 1999, Ron Marchini, John Travis. He's walking up to the Jeep. He's getting a mm -hmm. towel out of the back of the Jeep. He's <laughs> toweling off. Okay. Yes. Toweling off. He covers his face with the towel. Mm -hmm. And then as he, he pulls it away, we cut to his point of view. It's black death machine. Black death machine. <laughs> black death machine. With an eye patch over one eye. <laughs> Ron Marchini goes, what are you doing here? Uh -huh. Black Death Machine doesn't respond. He says, I left that life behind a long time ago. Black Death Machine says nothing. <laughs> he says, well, what do you want from me, huh? Why are you here? Black Death Machine wordlessly reaches into his pocket <laughs> pulls out a card that says the death machine initiative and then we get bump bump ba -da, ba -da, ba -da. the marchini cinematic universe has begun i thought he was gonna like pull out a picture that had like asian death machine dead on the ground <laughs> oh they're starting their own avengers initiative they're the starting machine, the avengers the death machines the death machine initiative so joe I want yes. to show you something on your screen real, on our screen real quick. You may have seen me at some point put my hands over my mouth excitedly while you were talking. Okay. So this is the case to Omega Cop. Half <gasps> <laughs> Blackface is given a prominent role on the back of Omega Cop's case. But yeah. Joe. Joe, this he is had not his next. He had his windpipe crushed. <laughs> Joe, this is not why I covered my mouth. Okay. So let's go to the front. So we've got Ron Martini with his uh -huh. special police hat. John okay. Travis is the cop, toughest cop alive. He's the only cop alive. Special police hat. Okay. And so I went, I wonder what the cover of Karate Cop looks like. 
Joe? <gasps> the he's hat the back. Hat. He's got the hat, Joe. He's got the hat. Okay, I had thought you were showing me Karate Cop before. No, this is Karate Cop. No, That's this why I was so stunned by seeing half blackface. Oh, there. no, no, that was Omega Cop. Okay, that, that kind of deadens the reaction. But yes, the hat is back joe hat is back the omega gun is not but he's, he's just got a regular pistol he's just got a regular pistol he's back and he's doing a high kick Ooh, that's exciting this is the jesus yeah. chain of this guy's franchise this really opens him up for his favorite move yeah <laughs> really opens him up for a nut shot so poor defense there jeff i would like to talk to you a little bit about ron marchini i've learned more since our last oh, our last show uh Jeff, Ron Marchini started out long before Death Machines. He was a stuntman in early 70s, in the early 70s for Filipino action films. Okay. That's how he got his start as a okay. stuntman in, in the Philippines. Now he saved his money while over there. It doesn't cost a lot to live in the Philippines. And he used that seed money to produce Death Machines. Oh, no. Death Machines was such a smash hit that was he decided it? he would keep producing his own action movies, his very own movies that he starred in. And that's how we got to Omega Cop and Karate Cop. Uh, actually, he even directed movies called Karate Commando and Karate Raider, which he starred in, in both. Joe, Great we can't, strategy. <laughs> we can't just keep watching John or Ron Marchini movies, Joe. Well, we have to watch Karate Cop. We're in too deep, but we will definitely take a break <laughs> afterwards before we jump into Karate Commando, Karate Raider. We'll see where we're at. Please, please, please don't make me watch more than one more of these movies right now. Because, <laughs> Joe, next yes. week, what yeah. are we watching next week, Joe? Have we decided? Are we doing Karate Cop? It's Karate Cop, baby. It's karate Cop. The sequel, the direct sequel to Omega Cop. The year is 1999. John Travis is the toughest cop alive. Toughest cop alive. He is the only cop alive. And then it's followed up by Karate Cop. The future. No law. No order. Jeff. No one is tougher than Karate Cop. Jeff is murder a crime? <laughs> Joe, we've established this is part of the uh, Death Machine cinematic universe. This is part of the MCU. That scene that I made up, yes. that is canon. That is my head canon, Joe. Okay, I like it. He is a grown-up Death Machine, and this is part of the Death Machine initiative. Death Machine initiative. So we could see Black Death Machine in Karate Cop, potentially. Maybe. I mean, he... Are you I promising mean... me? <laughs> yes. He goes by David Carradine now, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joe, you yeah. have to promise me something. Uh -huh. You cannot check the IMDb or the Wikipedia page for Karate Cop before you watch the movie. Because there is a major spoiler in the casting, just the names. In the casting names? Yes. <sighs> okay. All right. I've only seen David Carradine. That was the only one that had a, a an image for his IMDb page. Well, there is a major Karate Cop spoiler, so I'll be damned. So, Joe, how many how many Fast and the Furious movies is this better than? 
Who? Uh, <laughs> it can't be more than two. Okay. It really can't be more than two. And the first one I'm going to is Fast Four. Oh, that's the worst movie I've ever made. It's certainly one of them. <laughs> Ron Martini spent a quarter of... He spent $250,000 to make these two movies combined. Yes. And they're both better than Fast and Furious 4. Fast Furious, as we like to call it. Fast Furious. Um, so, yeah, okay, I'll say two. I'll say it's better than two. I just can't think of the other one. Uh, the Fast and the Furious was pretty bad, too. I don't know how they built a whole franchise off of that. No idea. It still baffles me. <laughs> well, we've learned. Maybe uh, Vin Diesel took the Ron Marchini approach to the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, Jeff, if you can make a sequel from Omega Cop, then you can make a sequel from anything. That's true. And we will see the sequel to Omega Cop next week. Next week's movie is Karate Cop. It is also on YouTube because nobody cares if you go see a Ron Marchini movie. Ron Marchini doesn't even care. He's just trying to get his name out there. He's, He's just trying to get the information out there. So thanks for listening, everybody. That'll do it for this episode of the Reactionaries podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. We should be everywhere. If you didn't like what you heard, just subscribe, please. Thank you. So for Joe, this is Jeff. Thanks for listening. And remember, wear sunscreen or else you'll catch solar madness. Jeff, is it over yet? It's never over, Joe. <laughs> summertime, people going crazy. Sunshine getting dizzy in the summertime. Summertime, drinking and swimming. Kissing on women in the summertime. Summertime. Sit on a wing.